Hola, mis amigos. Welcome to the Danny Picard Show, Monday, March 21st, 2016. Broadcasting live from the Dominican Republic. Just kidding. I am back from the Dominican Republic. That would be nice, though, wouldn't it? I am here in the Beantown Athletics studio, as always. Beantown Athletics, your only source for customized screen printing and embroidery. Go to BeantownAthletics.com right now. That's BeantownAthletics.com. Or give them a call at 617-282-4181. That's 617-282-4181. I come in today. They got these shirts they're working on that people here in Boston are going to love. All over New England. They're going to love them. They customized David Ortiz thank you t-shirts. Has his number on the back. 34 says thank you above it though. I'm trying to talk them in to get rid of the thank you and put gracias. Huh? That's what I'm trying to get him to do. I don't think that's going to happen, but it's still great by saying thank you in English. And uh, you can go to beantownathletics.com and again, give him a call, 617-282-4181. That's just one of the many things that they can get done for you here at Beantown Athletics. So I've been off the last week. And if you follow me on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I haven't really been communicating with you. Basically because all last week, being in the Dominican Republic, I had no Wi-Fi. There was wi- I shouldn't say I had no Wi-Fi. I had some Wi-Fi for certain, in certain moments, in certain places. Like there was one specific place where you got it, but it just, it wasn't any good. So I wasn't even, I didn't even go on Twitter. I didn't even see or hear anything that was going on in the world of sports. You get some people telling you some things, but... At the end of the day, you don't know what's true and what's not. So in reality, I get back from the Dominican Republic late last night, and I have to try to get caught up. Last night, mostly this morning, I've been getting caught up, and um, I'm going to react to some of the things that I missed, uh, really just the biggest stories that I missed. Now, I am missing most, I, I have missed, All of the NCAA tournament to this point. We have the Sweet 16, which will resume later this week. And this is the first time I think I've paid no attention to the NCAA tournament. I don't have a bracket. I was on a plane uh, before Selection Sunday. And I was already out, you know, having a couple drinks in the Dominican when Selection Sunday was going on. And as I told you, I'm there all week. I have no idea what's going on. And we were there all week. I was there Sunday to Sunday. I got back last night, and here I am back uh, in the Beantown Athletic Studio, the Dominican Republic. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect going in. Now, I was there for a wedding. And um, by the way, congratulations to Ryan and Elaine Sweeney on their wedding, which was Friday. A lot of activities. Had the wedding on Friday night. I went out in the catamaran Saturday which was, uh, you know, I didn't know how I was going to feel about going on a boat, leaving the beach, leaving the pool to go on a boat. I, I didn't really know that I wanted to do that, but everybody's doing it, so you obviously have to. I'm glad I did. I'm, I'm glad we did because it was one of the better days of the whole week. And then going back a little bit, on Wednesday, we went golfing at one of the best golf courses, I, I would think, in the world. I don't know that for sure. But um, I'll probably be posting some pictures of it on Instagram this week and getting caught up on some of that. And when you see these pictures, you're going to go, wow. And it doesn't even do, the pictures, as good as they are, doesn't even do the golf course justice. It's the Punta Espada Golf Club. David Ortiz actually has his golf tournament there, I believe, every year. Uh, But the place is absolutely amazing. And so we did that on Wednesday uh, again, the wedding Friday, catamaran Saturday, and a whole lot of drinking at the pool and the beach every day in between. Uh, beautiful weather there. It's like 82 to 85 and sunny with a little breeze. I mean, it. I've been telling everybody since I've come back, it's fake life. The Dominican Republic, at least the resort that we stayed at, is fake life. Like, I, I'm sitting there at one point, and you bounce around from the pool on the beach, and um, it's you're sitting there drinking with your friends, and, and everybody's having a good time, and everyone's just relaxed. 
And in the background, you know, you got a boat going by that, that's playing, you know, the songs that I would expect to hear, like, in my dreams, if I had a dream of the type of situation that I'd be in, sitting on the beach drinking uh, a Banana Mama, which was my drink of choice. I mean, it, it, I, I, the drinks that, that you have down there, you know, when it comes to beer, like, a couple of my buddies were buying Coronas every once in a while. Uh, but we had all-inclusive, so I didn't really feel like doing that. So if you want to drink beer, you drink the Presidente. And that's really it. So if you're looking to get away from that, because if you're there all week and you have too many Presidentes, I mean, it's just, you get sick to your stomach. It just, you need a change. And when you get that, that, that drink, that, that specialty drink, the Banana Mama was the one that I had, all right? And, and when you're sitting there on the beach drinking that, sipping on that, 82 degrees, little breeze in your face. You're with uh, friends and, and, you know, all the people you, you want to be there with. And the music that's going on in the background, it's just, it's perfect. It's like, if, it's like how you would dream it up sitting on that beach. Uh, it's fake life, really. And, again, beautiful weather. The nice, some of the nicest people you will ever meet, too, by the way. You know, it's just even little, even little communication. Now, I benefited a little bit because I actually took six years of Spanish. I took four in high school, BC High, and then when I went to UMass Amherst, with my major being a journalism, I had to take two years of a language, and so I stuck with Spanish. Now, I, I do have some regrets that I, I didn't study as hard as maybe I should have with that language. When you make a trip like this, you know, you regret that. I, but I never really thought that I would pick up on, on some of the older things that I learned way back. I mean, I graduated college in 2007. And so I hadn't really taken Spanish since 2005. I mean, it's been over 10 years. I, I didn't think that I'd be able to understand as much as I did and even uh, communicate as much as I'd be able to. You, you know, little things. You know, not crazy conversations, but I could have some conversations with the people that work there uh, to, to the point where I, I felt more comfortable than I thought I would with, surrounded by people working at this resort that, that, you know, spoke Spanish. And I think I have to thank, you know, my, my, whoever my teachers were back in the day. I guess this is just my way of saying thank you for, for doing a much better job than, than maybe I thought. I shouldn't say you. Maybe did a better job than I did. I should have done a better job studying the language. And... You regret that when you go on a trip like this. But, you know, I picked up on, on more than I thought. It just, I mean, again, the little communication. Gracias. De nada. I, just everything's calm and cool and uh, just the hospitality and the kindness. It's amazing. It's a great week. One of the best weeks of my life. And you know what? It was the best week of my life. And I shut it down. I completely shut it down when it comes to following sports, following the teams, following the top news. Like, I got away from Deflategate for a week, which was just amazing. You know what? Maybe Roger Goodell needs to go to the Dominican Republic and sit, you know, a la playa and have a couple banana mamas. And maybe he'll rethink Deflategate. He'll say, you know what? It does feel good to get away from Deflategate. Maybe we'll stop fighting this. Maybe we'll stop fighting it. Now, the news today, as I try to get caught, see, it's tough to get caught up on some of the news. When you have new stuff coming out as you're getting caught up. So I'm like getting caught up today. And then you get the news of Robert Kraft who speaks to the media today. And, and because the NFL, you know how their schedule is. They want to be the top story 365 days a year. And they have the NFL annual meeting in Florida. And Robert Kraft spoke at that today. And he said he wrote a letter to Roger Goodell, how he wants the draft picks back. I'll, I'll get to that in just a few minutes. But, but the point is this. It felt phenomenal to get away from Deflategate, even for just a week. It felt great. And maybe Roger Goodell needs to go experience the same fucking thing. Because, I mean, the fact that they're still fighting this is embarrassing. But it just felt, it felt great. And... Thank you to everybody in the Dominican Republic for making uh, our time there so special. And now I was going to try to keep the, that hospitality and that kindness going here in the U.S. 
I was going to try to take that back here, not just, you know, just, I was going to try to take it back to Southie, to Boston, which is a city, as you know, that is as uptight and, uh, should we use the word aggravating, than then any city that, that I've ever been in. And look, I, I know that I'm also part of that. Like, that's what we do. Like, we are, um, our energy and, and we can't just calm down here in Boston. We can't just take it easy here in Southie. Even if we're sitting down M Street Beach, sipping on a Bud Light. Like, we can't do that here. And, and I'm to blame for a lot of that as well. You know, given, given my personality, you could say. Um, and there's an aggressiveness here that, that you, don't, you don't see down there. Especially at a resort like that. And, and, and perhaps a lot of that has to do with the weather. Because... As I told you, I was going to try to keep that hospitality and kindness going when I get back. But that's pretty much already out the window. <laughs> when I, I wake up this morning and I have to go out and clean off the car, I have to clean the snow off the car. I mean, that's not what you want to do. It's, you don't want to land with a snowstorm. You don't. And that's what we did. And I woke up today and I just can only imagine what it was like for someone on my street, one of my neighbors, to be have looking to have been looking out the window today, watching me with um, my little brush, all right, and car scraper, window scraper. I can only imagine what they were thinking as I was not just scrape, scraping the snow and the ice off my off the car today. But I was literally beating my car. I mean, I was hitting it. I was pissed off. I was bullshit. I was as unhappy and depressed as one could be, given the difference in weather that I just had experienced in the last 24 hours. I mean, I'm surprised nobody called the cops, honestly. I I got in the car. I turned, blasted the heat, and I drove away. And, um... I was not happy. It was not a, it was not a very positive moment. It, and I certainly, I can tell you this, I certainly did not continue that hospitality and kindness that I, I told myself maybe I would try to do. And maybe that's because, you know, the weather here makes us a little crazy. But I just, I thought we were all over it here. I thought we were over the weather, the, the cold and the snow. We've had a very mild winter, as you know, if you are listening to me from Boston and New England. Uh, but I thought we were done with it. I thought, like, here it is. It's gone. No more snow. And yet, I land from the Dominican after a perfect week and have to clean off my car this morning. And I didn't just clean it off. I beat the shit out of my car with that that scraper. And um, I can only imagine what it's like for someone to have been looking out the window and what they would have been thinking as they saw me do it. Not knowing... What was going through my mind? Okay. What was going through my mind was, get me back to the Dominican. Por favor. Por favor. I, I, I almost said hola to someone today. And, and you know, because now I'm walking around because that's all you do. You know, you try to communicate and you've, everything's, everything's so friendly. You want to jump into that. You don't just experience it. You want to be a part of it. You come home, you, you kind of forget all right, I should probably not do that, right? I should probably not walk around saying hola to people. They're going to look at me. What, is this kid all right? Is he okay? Like, is he walking around shit-faced 24-7? So, I'm going to try my best to move on from the Dominican. And, uh, but the part of me that could try to keep that hospitality and kindness going back in, you know, in Southie and Dorchester here in Boston... I think that's already, I think that ship has sailed. That ship has uh, sailed, and perhaps that ship was just left in the beautiful waters of the Dominican Republic. So we will move on from that. And as we move on from that, the NCAA tournament resumes later this week against Sweet 16. You know, I'm looking at the bracket, and, you know, the shocking things are, I guess you could say Michigan State losing in the first round, right? Two seed Michigan State to uh, Middle Tennessee. You got Kentucky out. 
Uh, they lose in the second round to Indiana. Now, Indiana's a five seed, so let's let's not get nuts with that one. Kentucky was a four seed. Indiana was a five seed. You know, the I'm not going to go. I can't. It's impossible to go through this whole thing and look at all the games, but I, I'll tell you this. I'm watching the end of that Texas A&M game. Nor- Texas A&M, Northern Iowa, three versus 11. Looked like Northern Iowa was going to pull it out. Were they up 10 with 30 seconds left? And you, know, you see that, what, was it the final play baseline? Northern Iowa kid has it. It's like, just eat the ball. What are you doing? Eat the ball. Uh, you know, he's, he's trying to throw it off someone to get out of bounds. And, and I tried as much as I could to get, bottom line is this, I tried to get caught up as much as I could with the NCAA tournament. But it is, it's somewhat impossible, especially if you didn't even see the bracket selection show. Like, it's one thing if I saw the selection show and I filled out a bracket. Like, I'm coming into this thing fresh. And, and that's, it can be somewhat overwhelming. I've tried my best. But, um, yeah, I guess the shocking things to me was that, you know, you see that Texas A&M comeback. That's crazy. Uh, and you see the fact that Michigan State lost in the first round. And you got Kentucky out of it now. So, oh, who else? West Virginia, right? Look at West Virginia. They lost a three seed in the first round to Stephen F. Austin. And Notre Dame then beat them. So, I'll do my I'll do my best to keep an eye on this Sweet 16 moving forward. I'll just try to, the way I'll try to do it is I'm just going to react to those games. And that's it. Start, I'm going to start fresh from the Sweet 16. I think that's probably in my best interest, and it's probably in the best interest of the people that are listening to this podcast. All right? But the, the top story, the top story when I was in the Dominican last week was, and we, I did hear about, out of, out of all the things I told you I, I didn't hear about, I did hear about the Chandler Jones trade. I heard about that. Someone's like, because that's a big deal. Like you heard about the major stuff. Like, I didn't know that the Celtics, you know, had lost four straight. Um, I didn't know that the Bruins lost all three games on the West Coast. Okay? I didn't know that Golden State lost. They lost to San Antonio Saturday night. I think that's a big deal if you're looking at Golden State and, and the regular season record that, that they're trying to set with wins in a regular season. Um... And, you know, I had no idea about Kevin Durant's comments on playing in Boston for, with another team, of course, and what it's like to play in the city. And I'll get to those comments because that's, that is a major story to me, but it might not be uh, earth-shattering news to, to some people that aren't really paying attention to that story as much as I am. Because if you know, if you listen to me, I've been, I've been all over the Kevin Durant stuff, and people have called me delusional they said, you're living in a dream world, and there's no way he's coming to Boston. And the more you hear reports and the more you see things that are said, the more I'm starting to begin to think that maybe you should, you should start listening to me about this situation, the Kevin Durant thing. And maybe you should start thinking that it's not such a pipe dream for Durant to play in Boston. I'll get to that quote in just a minute. But I, I got to get into this Patriots stuff because the Patriots, they kind of went nuts last week. And out of all the weeks that they were going to get nuts, they chose the week I was on vacation. But they went so nuts that you start to hear about it. Some people mention it at the pool. And then I come back and I get some details, right? The Chandler Jones trade to Arizona is vintage Bill Belichick, okay? This is the mastermind playing out in front of us. I mean, this is what he does, and this is what he's great at. When we saw the moves that he made uh, before I left, it was the the Chris Hogan signing. You get this Chandler Jones trade. They get a second-round pick and an offensive lineman who was once, what, a top-10 pick a couple years ago? Here's the deal with the Chandler Jones trade. I love it. I absolutely love it. And, and it doesn't mean that I don't like Chandler Jones' game. It doesn't mean that at all. One, it means you know if you listen to me, I've bought into 
in Bill We Trust, the Belichick system. I told you when they went out and signed someone like Chris Hogan and they, they didn't give the extra money to wide receivers like Mohamed Sanu or Marvin Jones or uh, Rashad Matthews. You know, people said, well, you got to give those guys maybe a couple extra mil to convince them to come to New England. And people were telling me that, oh, the Patriots, they're cheap for not, for not doing it. And they don't want to, you know, they're not giving Brady any more weapons. And I said, well, whoa, 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 whoa. You know, I look at it the other way around. Because the Patriots have been so dominant in the Bill Belichick, Tom Brady era, what they've been doing, the culture that they've created, it's worked. And again, it goes back to they've created a culture. And you can see that with the Chris Hogan signing. All right? Um, that culture they've created is the exact reason why I love this Chandler Jones trade. Because it's vintage Belichick. This is what he does. The Patriots are always one step ahead of everybody else. Sometimes they're one ahead of step of, of themselves. And in this case, they are looking ahead, not to week one of the 2016 season. They're looking ahead to next offseason. They made a move right now. This is, this is a move that's going to help them next offseason. When Hightower's up, his contract's up. When, when Jamie Collins's contract is up. Malcolm Butler. You want to sign those guys. The Patriots are always thinking ahead. Here's the deal. They were not signing or re-signing Chandler Jones after next season. I'm a Chandler Jones fan. I consider I like his game. There are times late in the season, you know, it disappears. I do think that has to do with injury sometimes. But, and people say, well, how much of this has to do with what happened before the Kansas City game where he's running around shirtless, turns himself into a uh, police station in Foxborough, huh? you know, smoking the synthetic marijuana and getting all crazy before a playoff game. How much of this has to do with that? And, and I'll tell you what, I'm sure it was a conversation and I'm sure it was on the list of things that needed to be brought up when deciding if they were going to make this move this offseason or not. But I think most of it has to do with contract and most of it has to do with the value that you're going to get in return now for a guy that you're not going to re-sign next offseason. So I think they knew they weren't going to re-sign him. What did they do? They went out and got a second round pick. I, it's it, it's amazing that that they were able to pull this off, and and I love it. I absolutely love it. And they get an offensive lineman. I'm I'm not gonna get too worked up about an offensive lineman just because, uh, you know, he was a top ten pick a couple years ago. I, I guess I need to see it. And how I feel about the offensive line is the biggest move for the Patriots offensive line is bringing back the offensive line coach Dante Scarnecchia, who retired. Uh, after they won the Super Bowl and was not around last year. And you saw the things that fell apart in the Patriots' O-line. And, and I think they saw that they need Skarnecchia. Uh, maybe even more than going out and, and getting Pro Bowl caliber offensive linemen. You, know, you, you can coach those guys up. And they know Skarnecchia can coach them up better than anyone they've ever had. And, and that's why they brought him back. So the Skarnecchia thing is still the biggest difference maker for this offensive line, even with Cooper tossed into this pick. So I love the Chandler Jones trade. I just think it's vintage Belichick. I think this is another sign of the Patriots, the culture they've created, and how they're always one step ahead of the game, knowing that he was going to be the odd man out next year. And it might not, again, they, they might have been sitting there going, we actually like Chandler Jones. But the business that we run, the culture we create, is if if we maybe don't value as much as he's going to value himself next offseason when we have other guys to sign that we actually want more than him to stick around, then let's make this move now. Let's see what we can get. And they got a second-round pick. I, I, I feel like this is just robbery. And and it's, it's, a, it's a beautiful move for the Patriots, I think. It really is. Now, they also traded away a pick, a fourth-round pick, to get a tight end, Martellus Bennett. I like this move. I think we need to wait and see how it plays out. You want to get another tight end? He's a monster? Yeah, be my guest. Absolutely. They give up a fourth-round pick. Will they get back a sixth? Yeah, it's a good move. I like it. Uh, Chris Long, defensive end? I like it. I mean, some of these moves, we got to wait and see how these players play out. But I'm just 
out of all the things the Patriots have done so far, I, I, I really like the Chris Hogan signing based on the value, based on the culture. And I, really, I, I love this Chandler Jones trade based on the value, the culture, and the fact that they got a second-round pick. You know, we don't know what's going on with the Patriots picks right now because of the deflategate punishments. And, and Robert Kraft is trying to get those things back. And I told you I was going to talk about this today as well because as I try to get caught up in all these Patriots moves and everything that's going on, Robert Kraft, is, he has spoken today. He just spoke. I just read the quotes and I'm jumping on this and recording this podcast. Robert Kraft, he says he prays and desires that the NFL give them the draft picks it took away as part of the Deflategate punishment. Kraft said today that he wrote a letter to Commissioner Roger Goodell at the end of the season explaining why he feels the picks should be returned. Here's a quote from Robert Kraft. Quote, I personally wrote a letter to the commissioner responding to his comment that if any new facts came up, he would take them into consideration. Kraft continues, I personally believe that when the league made their decision, they did not factor in the ideal gas law. They admitted that publicly. They had a full year of observing Tom Brady play with all the rules of whatever the NFL was and make any judgments there. We have laid it out pretty straightforward, and now it's up to them to decide. So, uh, he, Robert Kraft, he wants to pick back. He is speaking out. And another quote from Robert Kraft, and I'm reading this from Phil Perry, Comcast Sportsnet, on his Twitter account. He says, they did their own testing. They have the results, but for whatever reason, they haven't shared them with any of us. He's talking about the PSI, I believe, this season. And we've gone over that, how they had an opportunity to actually conduct a full research study, and they decided not to do it. But if you read Kraft's quote, it sounds like maybe he has heard that they did do their own testing and research study, and they have the results, and they're not sharing them. Uh, that basically, that quote, is calling out the NFL and saying, hey, if you got numbers, release them. Basically saying that they're purposely not releasing them because they know it's not going to back up their argument. The bottom line is this. We're going to go back and forth on the ideal gas law and why the NFL's still fighting this and who did what and what the punishment should be or shouldn't be. I, I don't think the Patriots are going to get these picks back. I don't, I don't know that there's enough time to do it. I really don't. I honestly don't know if there's enough time for, that, for them to get it back. I'd love to see them get it back. I'd love to see them fight it. And for anybody who still knocks crap, because you know you're going to hear it now. You're going to hear people say, well, why is Robert Kraft speaking out now when he's the one that accepted the punishment and he shouldn't have accepted the punishment, he should have kept fighting? And, and I guess the way I feel about that is... I do believe that when Robert Kraft accepted the punishment, I do believe that there was a human element at play. There was a human element at play with him accepting the punishments, uh, the draft picks and the fine, because he has a personal relationship with Roger Goodell. He does. We know that. We, wouldn't you consider them? I mean, I consider them boys, Right. Kraft, Goodell, you always see them together. I mean, we heard the story before he handed out Brady's punishment um, or, or before he, you know, went in and, and heard that appeal on his own and, and upheld the punishment. You hear Robert Kraft and, and Roger Goodell sitting on a couch at a birthday party or something, eating hoodsies and discussing and laughing. And, and you hear that story and you hear that Robert Kraft and, and see that he accepts the punishments and and I told you, I said, I think there's some type of deal. With Robert Kraft accepting the punishments, I think there's some type of deal. I, I thought there was uh, at least that. Now, come to find out, there was no deal because, as we know, the NFL, they suspended Brady four games. Uh, they upheld that suspension in, in Brady's appeal. 
And, you know, here we are after Judge Richard Berman took the suspension away eventually. NFL still coming back into a court of law, continuing to fight it. NFL's now appealing Judge Richard Berman's ruling uh, to get rid of the suspension. So the NFL's still fighting it. And you can say what you want about why they're fighting it. At the end of the day, they're still fighting and trying to suspend Tom Brady four games. They are. And, and when Robert Kraft accepted those punishments for the picks and the fines, I did think there was a deal. Now, it turns out there wasn't. But I do think that Robert Kraft thought there was a human element at play. And what that human element at play was, he thought because of the personal relationship, you know, there wasn't any handshake agreement. But he thought that Roger Goodell wouldn't act like a machine. At some point, he would say, okay, this is so ridiculous. They're accepting these punishments. Maybe this is all about, maybe all of this has always been about Spygate or some of the other things the Patriots have done, and we don't like it, so we're going to come down hard on them now. All right, they accept the punishments. We'll take it easy on Tom Brady because at the end of the day, this is just a ridiculously stupid story that we should probably want to just go away. And maybe we shouldn't even have fought it this hard to begin with, right? But that's not the case, and that didn't happen. But I do really believe that Robert Kraft thought it would. I do. I believe that. I, I, I believe he thought it would help out. Because he does have a friendship with Roger Goodell. And that there'd be a human element. Instead, Goodell acted like the machine that he apparently is who believes he can't be destructed. That's the bottom line. Roger Goodell thinks he's a machine that cannot be destructed. And... uh. It, it, it really is still just mind-boggling to me that here we are in late March of 2016 talking about the Flakegate. And now Robert Kraft speaks out again at the NFL annual meeting in Florida. And he, he sent a letter to Goodell. He's trying to get the picks back still. I don't think he's going to get him back. I'd love to see him get him back, but I don't think, to be, to be honest, I don't think there's enough time for that to happen. And... You know, now Kraft, he's going to hear about this from people because he's speaking out about it now and talking about the letter he wrote. And, you know, the people who have crushed Kraft are going to use this to crush him again and say, well, if he really wanted to, you know, if he really wanted to pick back, he should have fought it from the beginning. I, I, the reason why I think he didn't fight it is because I do think he thought he was helping Tom Brady. I really do believe that. It, it, it didn't turn out that way, but I, I do think his intentions we're good with that. And he thought because of the friendship, there would be a human element at play, but there was not, as we know. So that's the latest. We'll keep our eye on it. Uh, moving on from the NFL, because I'm sure there'll be more NFL stories uh, here in the next couple days and weeks. I mean, I'm sure there are things that I missed nationally with the NFL uh, that I haven't seen yet. So when I do get some more time to look back at everything, I, 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 will, I will certainly get to that if it is newsworthy still a little bit later this week. I, I also mentioned this Kevin Durant story in the NBA because, again, I, I, the Celtics, you know, I didn't know that they lost four straight. They, they ended up snapping a four-game losing streak, losing skid last night in Philadelphia. Um, Jay Crowder is still hurt. He's got that ankle injury. The Celtics have now dropped down to fifth place in the East. That's, no, that's, you don't want to be there. You want to be up at two or three. Uh, And they played the Oklahoma City Thunder the other night, right? Celtics played the Oklahoma City Thunder. And so I'm scrolling through, trying to get caught up, seeing what's going on with the Seas. And uh, I, I see a quote here from Kevin Durant. And I read this from ESPN.com, Chris Forsberg. Now, the Celtics lost to the Thunder at the Garden, 130-109. to and, and I've talked many times about the TD Garden and what that building is like when the team is good, when the team is winning, when the team's exciting, right? That's a special building to play in. And, it's, and I, I say this from a perspective of if I put myself in the shoes of even a big-name player who's got everything going for me in another city. When I come to a place like Boston, 
I think even those players look around and say, all right, this is different. Like, oh, but I'm saying when the Celtics are winning, you know, we've had some teams in the past that have been no good. And obviously the years that we were chasing one of the top picks uh, with when, when Durant was actually coming into the pros, you know, when he played at Texas and Odin played at Ohio State. I mean, those Celtics, we had a couple Celtics teams that were just no good. And um, it's not it's not a special building to play in at that point. Yeah, you get the you know the legendary legendary stuff going on, the history of the franchise, and there is it is still special, but it's not the same un- unless they're winning. And when they're winning, the Celtics are winning now. That place is rocking. And if you're a team, you know, if you're a player on a visiting team like a Kevin Durant coming in with Oklahoma City, and you're a big name player, you're gonna be a free agent. You come into that building, and the place is rocking for this Celtics team that's been very exciting this year, that's playing winning basketball, that that we love in this town. Kevin Durant looks around, and he goes, okay, wow. You know, you hear about it. You see it from afar. But when you come in here, and you actually look up, straight up, at those banners, and you can feel, you know, that 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 special feeling when the crowd is just going nuts for this team, place is rocking, it's different. It, it's tough to describe. But Kevin Durant, he he tried his best to describe it. And I don't think it should be overlooked. I really don't. I'm reading the quote from Chris Forsberg, ESPN. Kevin Durant asked about playing in Boston, obviously with another team. Here's the quote from Durant. It says, Quote, you can feel the tradition walking in here. You can see all the Celtics legends plastered on the walls as you walk into the locker room. The tradition of being a Boston Celtic is second to none. So it's amazing playing here. The fans, they're very energetic and they cheer for their team. It's amazing to see as a player to have fans that care about the game so much. It's an amazing sports town and they have a great team to cheer for, end quote. Kevin Durant, folks, talking about playing in the TD Garden as someone on the visiting team, visiting side of things. Now, last time I left you, over a week ago, the story was about Al Horford and how... Woj reported that the Celtics didn't trade for Al Horford at the deadline. They didn't want to give up a lot to Atlanta to get him because they felt like they had a great chance to sign Al Horford in free agency. And for anybody that might question, well, why would they want to go get Al Horford in free agency? Well, when you go to another report that comes out, that other report was that Al Horford is on a short list of players that Kevin Durant would like to play for. That's right. The impending free agent, Kevin Durant. The guy you can pick any team and any city that he wants to play for this offseason. And while I have mentioned Kevin Durant's name many times in the last two years, you know, you got to look ahead. And maybe maybe I have bought into Belichick's plan of looking ahead way too much to the point where it could be unhealthy for someone who plays the role of imaginary GM on a regular basis, but that's what I'm doing here, and that's what I've done. And when I've done that, people have said I'm nuts, like that's not happening, you know, you gotta stop wasting your time on something that's unrealistic, and I've let you take those digs at me, because I can understand, look, there is part of me that can understand why you're saying that, because you look at the city, and you say, why would this guy want to come here? You know, it's, it's, it's cold, it snows, when you think the snow's done, it comes back in, in, in here in late March, and who knows, we could get a snowstorm in, in April, for all I know. I mean, I'm not ruling that out. I kind of ruled it out, and then I, when you come back from the Dominican, you see that, that, okay, that's where you were being delusional, that it could still snow, maybe even in April. I'm going to knock on wood, and I hope it doesn't. Hope I didn't just jinx it. Because if, I, if it does snow, you can blame that on me. Because I had already, I, I had canceled winter. I put my winter clothes away. 
Uh, pulling him back out now. But because of that fact as well, people say, you know, Durant, why would he why would he want to come to Boston? The other thing is the Celtics don't have that superstar player. And these guys, you know, they all want to play with other superstar players. But hey, Celtics, they got Isaiah Thomas. He made the All-Star game. There are reports that people are asking Isaiah Thomas about playing in Boston. A lot of people think that Al Horford was the one that was grilling him with questions. And the Celtics, obviously interested in Al Horford. They've been linked to him many times in rumors about trying to trade for him. And now they didn't trade for him. We're getting reports that tell us why. That they think they can sign him. And I tell you what, you give Al Horford whatever the fuck he wants if Kevin Durant wants to play with Al Horford. And the one thing that I always talk about and try to tell people when it comes to explaining why a superstar player might want to come play for the Celtics, don't think of it, you know, don't think really in in terms of being, you know, in general. Think of it as this specific group, this specific coach, Brad Stevens, this specific group of young players who you got a lot of defensively hungry guys out there, right? Just, just this team, the defense for the Celtics is, is something that I think they pride themselves on. The energy, the fight that they show, they don't give up to the point where you think any game's over, even if they're down 12 with a couple minutes left. You know they're going to make this a game. And, and I think that's a special trait. I do. Uh, and, and I think other players have seen it. They saw it at the end of last year. They're seeing it this year. And there's a possibility that even though the Celtics who have fallen down to now the five seed in the NBA standings in the Eastern Conference, look, I mean, there's still only a game out, out of that three spot. I think the two is unrealistic. The Raptors have won four straight. They're eight and two. Toronto's eight and two in their last 10. Uh, they have 48 wins. The Celtics have 40. I think you're not going to catch them. But the two teams ahead of them, Miami and Atlanta, Miami's got 40 wins too, and, and Atlanta only has 41. You could still get up to the three seed. You get up to the three seed, what happens? Uh, you, you avoid Cleveland in the second round if you can win your first round series. Maybe you get to the East Finals. You, this team gets to the East Finals. All of a sudden, you got a lot of players around the league watching that. All right? You're in the, you're in the Final Four of the association. And... You, that's a special thing, okay? And uh, this team, this group, this fight, this coach, all of those things that are going so well make this building that much more exciting here in Boston, that TD Garden. And when then, yeah, you see that from the outside if you're someone like Durant. But when you come into the building like you did the other night and that place is rocking, I keep telling people, those, these guys see that, you know? As much as these guys go for the money, as much as these guys might go to places for the weather, at some point, they're human. They're competitors. Durant wants to win. And he knows the history. You can sense that. People have questioned, does he care about the history? Does he know the history? You can sense from him, from this quote, that he knows. That he senses it. And that I think he embraced it the other night. Last week. I think he embraced that. Uh, and, and because of that, and of the other reports that we heard, I'm telling you right now, I'm not backing away. In fact, I'm only moving closer now to, to thinking that, all right, maybe this is a little bit more realistic than, than people have tried to tell me it is. Kevin Durant in a Celtics uniform. Is it a pipe dream? Or is it something that is very, very, very possible this summer? Celtics have money to spend. They can give Durant his money. And you can give him more with a sign and trade. I don't think he's going back to Oklahoma City. So, he's going to go to a new town. He's going to go play in a new building. And if he's going to play in a new building, last week he found out what this building here in Boston feels like. And by the sounds of it, he was 
pretty excited to play that. He used the word amazing a couple times. And I just don't think people are giving this, this Celtics group uh, maybe enough credit to be able to go out and convince him to come play with the Boston Celtics. All right? So, all I'm saying is, don't sleep on the seas when it comes to the Kevin Durant sweepstakes this summer. Don't sleep on them. I feel that way even more after reading these quotes from Kevin Durant. And I know, you already heard this. You already, this is old news. But give me a fucking break, okay? I've been in the Dominican all week. I didn't hear anything. I heard the Chandler Jones stuff, a couple of Patriots moves. That, that's it. That's it. And uh, I'm sure I'm going to hear more in the next couple days because I'm trying to, you know, it's like at some point it could get overwhelming trying to go all the way back to every day and figure out what's going on in every single sport. And if you listen to me, you know I'm, I'm usually pretty caught up on every sport and every piece of top news. And it's even more difficult when you try to look back and get caught up and while you're doing that, even more stuff is breaking today. And, and uh, you know, the other news that broke late last night, right, and today is that Ben Simmons told ESPN he's hiring an agent and he will enter the NBA draft to nobody's surprise. But I think, you know, the elephant in the room here with that is he announces this on the Sunday night of the first two rounds of the NCAA tournament an NCAA tournament that he did not even make, that he is not even playing in. LSU did not make the tournament. In fact, they declined all the other tournaments to play in. I mean, how many tournaments are there now? Right? There's, there's more than the NIT. There's a couple of them. I don't really pay attention to those. I don't. I only pay attention to the NCAA tournament. But Simmons isn't even in that. And... That's the thing that when you think of Simmons, you, you, ha- you have that in the back of your mind, right? You do. I've told you many times. I think Simmons is the, the number one overall pick. I think there's no question. I think everybody in the league should, should want him on their team given the, you know, the tools that he has, right? I think he, if you watch him, and I've watched him on many occasions this year, he is a dominant player. He can be a dominant force. I think he'll be a very good NBA player. Uh, and you, you should want to take him with the number one overall pick. But there's, there's always that. But he couldn't take LSU even to the NCAA tournament. Now he's announcing it on the Sunday night of the NCAA tournament. And I technically, I don't know how this really went about. I mean, he's, if he's going to hire an agent, he hires an agent. Maybe he thought it was going to get out anyways. So he said, let's, uh, you know, let's give it out to ESPN, right? Let's give it out to ESPN. Stealing a little of the spotlight here when you're not in the NCAA tournament kind of leaves a bad taste in my mouth, but uh, I think I'll probably forget about that. And and when it comes time for the draft, there's no question to me. Simmons, Ben Simmons, the number one overall pick. Now, the question will be if the Celtics, and I don't think they're going to get lucky enough, right? Uh, Philly has nine wins. Brooklyn has 19, but you got to look at the other teams. The Lakers have 14 wins. Phoenix has 19 wins. So we'll see what Brooklyn does here moving forward. You know, if they can lose some games, you get the Lakers to win some games, get Phoenix to win some games. All of a sudden we're talking, all right, maybe Brooklyn can get lucky. Maybe the Celtics ultimately then can get lucky and you get the chance to maybe get that top pick. But even if you do, I would still entertain the idea of, of trading it. I would. I would. And I, I don't think that I, that has anything to do with not liking Simmons, because I told you, I like him. I think he's a dominant player. I think he's going to be number one overall pick. I don't, I don't think it, it's even close. I mean, people talk about Ingram, all right. But I'm looking at Simmons if I have that pick. I, I really would just, it, that's not guaranteed. I'd rather go out and get somebody who is guaranteed uh, to to have that success right now who might be on the move or on the trade block in the NBA. But chances are the Lakers aren't going to win moving forward, and Phoenix probably won't win either. And if Brooklyn wins a couple more games, they're probably going to take themselves out of that race, which means the Celtics will not be in the race to get the number one overall pick. Um, so 
They need some Celtics need some luck. They need some luck here moving forward. The, but but I'd rather the strategy I'd rather see him take is get Al Horford, and if you can use that to convince Durant based on some of the things Durant has said and how he feels about the Celtics, well, that's the move that you should make. Uh, so I'll I'll I'm gonna try tonight. Get back to work, catch up on some things, catch up on some sleep. I tell you, it's the longest day. As much drinking that we're doing in the Dominican every day at the pool and at the beach and at night, uh, the longest day is the day coming home because just getting out of there. And then when you get back and you finally get off the plane, it's like, oh, how many lines do I got to wait in? You wait in a line and you got to wait in another line. Then you got to wait in another line. It's just, it's a tiring day. I need to catch up on my sleep and uh, obviously catch up on some of the top stories. But I told you I'd be back here on this Monday, March 21st. And here I am. Here I am. Five days a week. DannyPicard.com. Subscribe on iTunes. Subscribe on Stitcher. Subscribe on TuneIn. Subscribe anywhere podcasts are available. And follow me on Twitter. Follow me on Facebook. Follow me on Instagram if you want to see some of these pictures, especially from the golf course that we played on uh, last week. It's a a pretty amazing place, and I'm looking forward to getting back there. I'm going back. I am absolutely going back. And I highly recommend for anybody who's looking for a vacation and a place to go, to go to the Dominican. I'm telling you. Go. It's beautiful. And as I wrap this show up, I wish that I was back there. All right? I will be back one day. But for now, I'm out. Talk to you tomorrow.